0: Hello and welcome to Management for Startups. Management for Startups is about learning management in small teams, businesses, and organizations between two to 50 people. My name is Cedric. This podcast is never longer than 15 minutes, so let's get started. So today, we're gonna be talking about firing two... Slowly. And I've mentioned this in my previous episode on the management urg feel. You can go uh, Google that. Uh, I mean, search for it on managementforstartups.com. Uh, it's basically there's a written version of the article, and also it's the podcast episode that we covered last week. And the management urg feel basically talks about how uh, you tend to procrastinate on um, difficult, emotional, and potentially dangerous conversations or actions. Uh, Example being firing a subordinate or having that difficult conversation with your boss, uh, which you know that he or she is going to hate. Um, and what happens is that uh, there will be this huge irk feel that your brain throws around the topic and uh, that tr- tries to trick you from thinking about it, from trying to tackle the problem head-on uh, because it is so difficult and so painful, you should actually be rationally considering it and thinking about it instead of avoiding it. And I've mentioned in passing that uh, my, you know, My story at the end of the episode was about trying to fire someone in the company and how that was so difficult and how I used the technique that I recommended, which is to meditate, right, to sort of slow yourself down and uh, recognize and concentrate your attention before trying to remove uh, whatever it is that's causing your brain to throw up the ugh feel. And then after I sort of uh, dealt with my issues and my fears of firing the person, I eventually went out and did it. Now, I want to talk about more, I mean, I know I've mentioned uh, in passing multiple times over the past few, over a couple few episodes in the past, uh, that not firing someone is a huge problem. And I want to talk about that uh, this week. And next week, we'll talk about the opposite problem that happens a lot in startups, which is that people fire too quickly, right? They they have this philosophy that's completely wrong of hiring fast and firing fast. And we're going to talk about that next week. But before we begin on the episode today, let's take a step back and, you know, sort of ask yourself why do do why is firing so such a difficult topic uh, to broach, especially for new managers, and especially even if you're an experienced person who has worked in a large company, when you go out and you work in a startup with no HR and no set processes, or if you go out and start your own company, these are things that will eventually get you. And I see this again and again, even with people that I admire, you know, they work in, they have great careers in big companies, and then they go start a company, a company of their own and then completely mess this up well the reason i mean the first reason is obviously this is an emotionally charged thing and we tend to be quite bad at emotionally charged uh, interactions. I mean, if you think of your history, the first time that you broke up with a girlfriend or boyfriend was probably a traumatic, terrible experience for both of you. Uh, you probably handled it pretty badly um, because, well, we're, we don't have much experience with breakups. And secondly, because it's such an emotionally charged event, uh, it's highly likely that you're going to mess something up because there's, it's like a minefield of potential mistakes that you can make. Um, and I think that is part of the reason why firing is difficult, right? Most of us don't experience firing people, even if we work in big companies. Uh, usually, if you're working in a big company, you exist in a system that has already figured this out, right? There are existing processes for managing expectations, managing performance, there are performance reviews, and there are a set HR practices for firing or uh, initiating the firing of an employee, But if you're in a startup, you have to invent all of this from scratch and it's tempting to sort of just wing it. It's also tempting to sort of copy wholesale from uh, whatever corporate uh, environment that you were in. Um, And that's probably also a mistake because the environmental and organizational context is different. So that's the first reason. I think the second reason, though, is that uh, people's intentions tend to pull them astray in one of two directions so there is one camp of uh, management and i belong to that camp where now that you're your own boss and you're creating your own team you're running your own company you sort of just think oh you know I want my company to be like the best place to work uh, much better than the old companies that I used to work in i want it to be a nurturing happy family environment where everybody feels loved and everybody feels you know happy and connected and and they are they are pleased to be working for my company. And that's sort of one extreme and pretty much I belong to this extreme, I uh, have a nurturing personality, and my instinct is pretty much to try to create this friendly, happy environment where everybody feels like they're coming to work with friends. Um, And there is the other extreme, and these are usually people who come from high-performance organizations or high-performance cultures, uh, usually people from finance or management consulting or from sales organizations. They leave these organizations and these big companies, and then they start their own company, and then they fall into the opposite Trap, which is that they fire too quickly because they expect the world of their new hires. They expect people to come in and hit the ground running and be high performers and to figure things out on their own and so on and so forth. And that you know that that causes a bunch of uh, a different set of problems, uh, usually interrelated problems but we're not going to talk about it this week. We're going to be talk- talking about, like, the first uh, extreme, which is this overly nurturing, overly friendly uh, uh, attitude to management that causes the problem of not firing too quickly. So, I want to tell two stories. The first story is a friend who works in a wonderful company, and in, in the small city that the company is in, uh, this company usually wins a whole bunch of awards, like, you know, the best company to work at awards, and it's a it's a lovely, lovely company, right? It's Profitable, I believe it has revenue. When you come into the office, it's this beautiful office, and it has the company name, the logo, and then the values written on the wall. Right as you walk in, and as you can, as you scan this 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 office, uh, which is on the top floor or not the top floor, but a pretty high floor in an office building with beautiful views of the city around it, um, you will see that there is like a small corner, uh, a playroom for parents to bring their kids in. And uh, from talking to this friend, uh, he says that the founders take very seriously uh, this idea of creating a happy, nurturing work environment where everybody is, is sort of, you know, everybody can bring their whole selves To work. Um, The problem, however, with this company is that because of this nurturing family approach, they don't fire bad performers. And so, what has happened is that these bad performers cause lots of problems for the teammates around them. Um, They usually, you know, they're stubborn, they want to do things their own way, uh, they deliver products that cause bugs uh, down the road, or if they're in the sales and marketing team, you know, they drag their feet and they underperform, they don't really uh, uh, meet expectations but outside of their work, they are usually pretty nice people and that's why they're kept on, right? Because you are in a nice family-oriented culture. So, of course, you want to have everybody be happy and these people are sort of nice, happy people. It's just that they're impossible to work with or they cause lots and lots of problems for their teammates. So, what has started to happen is that People have started becoming incredibly unhappy with the situation in the company, even though the company is really awesome, has great salary, great benefits. You know, the company brings uh, the its, its employees on holidays. You know, company-paid holidays to far-off places, which is awesome. Um, but people are beginning to want to leave the company because in the teams, usually only in the teams when there are bad performers, they have recognized that it is impossible to get these performers fired. Uh, every time they try to talk to the founders of the company and Said, hey, you know, we need to get rid of Joe or we need to get rid of Mary. Uh, The founders will come up with some excuse like, oh, you know, you know, work harder, work around him. The problem is you. Uh, Maybe if you tried this, maybe if you tried that. And what happens is that the slack, the problem caused by all of these bad performers are starting to accrue towards the best performers on the team. Because of course, if you have extra work needed to to be done to clean up the mistakes and the problems and the bugs introduced by these lousy performers, the people who are going to step in and clean things up are the people who take the most pride in their work. Uh, And most of the time, these are the best performers, the high productive individuals who have to step in and do extra work to cover for the mistakes of these lousy individuals. And over time, what has happened in the company is that as people began to realize that it's impossible to get rid of them, that the culture prevents them from doing so, even from raising the issue, uh, these BAFs performers are now beginning to look for other places to work because they just can't take working in an environment where they're constantly expected to pick up the slack caused by their lower-performing teammates. And they also feel underappreciated and ignored um, because their work environment, as their work situations are deteriorating, the management sort of just covers one eye and sort of blames them for not being able to work with these difficult, uh, bad-performing individuals. So that's story number one, and it's sort of really sad that due to this desire for creating a nurturing, happy, friendly workplace, right, the founders of this company has accidentally also created an environment where it's impossible for best performers, for good performers to stay in the company for a long period of time. And that's going to harm them in the long run, I I guarantee it. Um, the second story is a slightly different situation. Uh, also, an example of the management irk feel in question. So, this is a friend's company. He's the CEO, well, he's one of the founders, and he refuses to fire his chief technology officer, his CTO. And I know, yes, in startups, uh, these names are usually, these titles are usually just, you know, rubbish. Uh, not exactly uh, accurate things. But for the the sake of this discussion, for this story, the CTO's job is both technological as well as managerial, right? He has to manage the uh, entire engineering team. And the engineering team is around 30 people, and it's a complete mess. The organization is a mess, you know, they constantly skip deadlines, there's a lot of overwork and overtime work, Um, there's burnout in the company, Uh, retention is pretty bad, people keep leaving, and you know this is normal i would say that this is normal every growing startup has a its fair share of these problems but what worries me and what makes me think that this cto is not living up to his job description is that this has continued for more than 2 years usually in a well functioning startup yes you do have incredibly bad processes as the company grows you have skipped deadlines you have burnout you have overwork and overtime but the key thing is that a good manager in a startup context continually evolves, the processes continually changes things and approaches to try to resolve problems. And what should happen is if you're in a startup, what it should feel like is that Everything is horrible and everything's broken, but then some things get fixed temporarily, and then the company, you know, gets to a good state, and then it hits the next stage of growth, and then everything breaks again, and the management, you know, the manager and and the management team and and the employees have to f- work together to figure out a new set of changes and processes and organizational uh, adaptations to try to tamp down on these problems, and it will feel like this uh, sine curve of ups and downs as the company goes through phases of growth that break existing processes that's not happening here. This company has sort of hit product market fit, and the problems are still happening. Productivity is very, very bad. Even my friend says that it's bad, and the company just doesn't seem to get out of it, which tells me that the manager that is responsible for the entire engineering organization, this CTO, is not doing his job, right? He's exercising huge negative managerial leverage, and he's, you know, actively causing damage to the business, but my friend refuses to fire him because the CTO is his friend and he believes that the CTO you know, has, has, has the company's interests in heart and has his heart in the right place. But as a result, everybody else in the company, everybody else in like, the engineering team, I think at this point it's like 15 to 20 people, are suffering thanks to this incompetent uh, CTO. So what's the lesson here? The lesson here is that if you don't fire fast enough, if you drag your feet on firing every day that you don't fire bad performers, uh, the people around them will be negatively affected. And I think in these two stories, the worst example is the example of my friend with the CTO because a CTO is an incredibly high leverage position, right? The output of his or her day, the output of his or her work affects the people under him. And in this case, you know, he's affecting the output of a 20-person organization, which is a huge cost, um, and I think the other sort of situation, this desire to create a nurturing family-like work environment, has pulled in the second, in the first story. Sorry, um, it has created this environment where you know it's untenable for the best performers, and the high performers are all looking for ways to leave the company because they just can't take the culture that doesn't get rid of uh, people who can't perform. Um, so the answer here is fire them, right? Admit to yourself that there are real costs to keeping people who suck, who are very bad, and take the steps necessary to fight against your management irk feel uh, and take the steps necessary to fire these people. Very often, I believe in these organizations, the CEOs or the founders know what's going on. They know that this is a problem, but they try not to think about it because it makes them uncomfortable to think about it. In the first case, it's the example of firing people when it goes against their values and they'll need to create a nurturing work, family-like work environment. And in the second example, it's my friend's friendship to his CTO that is preventing him from doing what is best for his company. Now, I think that in both cases, you do need to take steps to do it, and it's very difficult to do it, and yes, you should be very careful in how you approach it, uh, because uh, yes, you do want to preserve your culture in the first example, and in the second example, yes, you probably do want to maintain your friendship, but the answer isn't to avoid uh, or shy away from this topic, because you're just going to lose your best people if you do so. And I think the final thought uh, here is that yes, we do, I do, want to create a nurturing family-like work environment. But a work environment is not a family, right? Performance is part of the picture, and any sort of management concept that doesn't take performance as part of the, uh, uh, the picture, and the philosophy, your approach to management, um, you're eventually, inevitably, going to lose out. And so, with that thought, you know, that's it for this week. Next week, we will look at the opposite extreme of this example. Cedric, out.